Mixed Company, a good omens multi-voice portrait written by the old Aquarian. Chapter 7. Obtuse Angels and Other Geometric Difficulties. Crowley. Crowley's alarm went off to Sunday morning on Sunday morning. Watch out, the world really is behind you and he rose at 5 a.m. After hunting around for his second favorite sunglasses, he scrambled out of the bathtub. Carefully unlocking the door, he performed a kind of upright slither into the lounge, where he pried open the ottoman as instructed by one of the scribbled-upon cocktail napkins from the previous night. He extracted a green, slightly moth-eaten cable sweater and slipped it on. It smelled like a zero fare. That is to say that it smelt like musty upholstery, mistreated book pages, warm toffee, and something indefinable that made Crowley feel a little bit drunk. Crowley checked his phone for the location of the nearest 24-hour grocery store. Alright, Aziraphale. For you, we're doing this the old-fashioned way. He murmured. Something's wrong with Crowley, Liga was saying. He's acting all funny. Dagon was clicking incessantly on a retractable pen. You mean, besides the usual? I'm not talking about, you know. Hester did a brief, unnervingly accurate impression of Crowley's walk. I'm talking really odd shit. Crowley chose that moment to pop out from behind an occluding whiteboard. Oh, hello, guys and guppies, he said brightly, holding out a tin. Want a biscuit? They're chocolate. I think I see what you're saying, Dagan said. This is not normal. Oh, come on, they're just biscuits. Made them this morning. They're not poisoned. He shook the tin. Hester reached a hand in as though he fully expected it to emerge covered in savage biscuit bites. What's gotten into you, Crowley? Liga asked, glancing at the lumpy sweater. Trying to suck up now that you're going to be spending some time in the basement office? Oh, I just thought it'd be nice, Crowley said, with as much innocence as a creature of corruption can muster. Tegan retracted a biscuit. She looked up at Crowley's dark lenses, then down to the biscuit again, and gave a cautious nibble. Right, Crowley said. Well, cheers, all of you. I'll see you at lunch. As he left, he could hear Dagon turn and whisper to Ligger. If this is what happens when a promotion goes to his head, we should find an excuse to promote him every other month. Have you tasted this? Crowley sighed, reflecting sadly that this was going to be more difficult than the instructions on the cocktail napkins indicated. Aziraphale. There was something called a strategy breakfast on Aziraphale's Sunday agenda, which he had purposefully forgotten about. He had skipped it because he was trying to encourage an impression of indolence and irresponsibility, but really, in his heart of hearts, he considered it the responsibility of good people everywhere to drive strategy breakfasts from the world like the evil they were. 
According to Aziraphale, the only strategies that belonged in breakfast were those concerned with balancing sweet and savoury dishes and cajoling a late-rising demon to join using the promise of bottomless bellinis. Instead, he woke early and slipped out to have tea until he was sure that Michael was occupied in the fitness centre, then returned to his room and indulged in a long, luxurious shower. If he had also indulged in a long, luxurious remembrance of things recently past, well, the taste of that forbidden Madeleine was quite delicious. And, anyway, he might as well get into the spirit of defiance. Eleven o'clock found him sitting by the infinity pool in a silk shirt borrowed from Crowley. He had a half-empty strawberry margarita in one hand and an uncovered copy of Abduction by the Demon Prince in another. Aziraphale! There you are! Gabriel waved and jogged over across the pool deck in a sleeveless t-shirt that read Wake, Pray, Slay. Oh, hello, Gabriel, Aziraphale said, resisting the urge to cover his paper bag. We were looking for you at the strategy breakfast, you know. Ah, it, uh, must have slipped my mind. To his consternation, Gabriel smiled. Ah, I get it. You're just too excited about the promotion. I understand. If I was going back to heaven after a couple thousand years of this, I'd be overjoyed too. Um, right. And I wanted to, you know, catch up on some reading. Aziraphale added. Gabriel squinted and read the title. Abduction by the Demon Prince. Hey, that sounds really dramatic. Never really pegged you for a true crime kind of guy, honestly. It's not exactly true, Aziraphale said, unsure of how to explain the genre of erotic paranormal romance to someone who had misinterpreted the cover image as anything non-fictional, rose petals and all. Oh, sure. Everything's all fictionalized nowadays, Gabriel said. I was reading a great book like that just recently. The Seven Virtues of High-Achieving Angels. Oh, you should check that out. Samael really outdid himself. Sure, of course, Aziraphale said, taking a large sip of strawberry margarita. Well, I gotta review some slides from Uriel, but I'll see you later today, kiddo. Oh, also, that's a nice shirt. Good look on you. Aziraphale heaved a deep sigh. He thought that he and Crowley had concocted an unstoppable force, but it seemed he'd underestimated the obstructive powers of an immovable mindset. Hello, Aziraphale, came a voice to his left. Oh, Crowley, this is going to be horribly difficult. He turned around. Goodness, I haven't seen your hair that neat since the early forties. I think it rather suits you. Shut it. Crowley said lazily. Casting an appreciative glance at Aziraphale, he added, Now if we're making suggestions, you should always leave that many buttons undone. I feel practically indecent, Aziraphale complained, reaching once again for an absent necktie. Um, Aziraphale, what are you reading? Aziraphale said the book against his thigh, so the front cover was obscured. Oh, just some thoughtless novel I picked up at the airport, he said. Crowley snatched the book away, and his eyebrows cleared the top of his sunglasses in disbelief. 
abduction by the demon prince. Seriously? What, was taken to a nice dinner by the demon prince out at the library? Aziraphale grabbed the book back with a glare that could have curdled blood, even if its owner was taking multiple anticoagulants. That hardly sounds like it would make for compelling drama. Compelling drama? Angel, admit it. This is just porn for you posh types. It's erotic paranormal suspense. There's a difference. Oh, yeah? Read me a quotation. Well, all right. The prose does leave a bit to be desired. Aziraphale said waspishly. The first one was better. He immediately regretted that. The first one? What was that? Sexual escapades with the Serpent of Sin? It was, uh, ravished in the summoning circle. And you've read how many of these? Crowley's eyebrows continued their climb towards his hairline. Well, they're all different. I suppose they did sort of run out of ideas around Yearn in Hell, but that will happen around Book 12 or so, and... They really made a remarkable comeback with worshipping the devil. Crowley looked as though he'd been bludgeoned with a crucifix. Oh, don't give me that expression. I refuse to have aspersions cast upon me by someone who only reads takeout menus and buzzfeed quizzes about what sort of carnivorous plant he is. Okay, fine. I won't make fun of your less-than-literary inclinations. Any luck with Gabriel? Aziraphale set his margarita down and frowned. No, actually. I don't think he really picked up on anything. <sighs> Not so simple to get through to the thick skull of heaven, eh? Easier for a camel to go trotting through the eye of a needle and all that. Well, have you had any luck with hell? Crowley's mouth twitched inauspiciously. Uh, not quite. We'll have to keep trying. You'd better go along. I'm sure you've got something to do. Crowley tilted his head. Oh, fine, yes. I rather want to read this next part. Aziraphale said, with as much regality as he could inflict through his embarrassment. Crowley grinned evilly and departed. The parties for Aziraphale and Crowley's promotions were scheduled for the last night before the ascension to heaven and descent to hell. Intervening days had brought little to no demotional progress, despite a good deal of effort. Crowley had refrained from saying so many snide remarks that his tongue was swollen from biting them back. Although perhaps some of the swelling could be attributed to the fact that Crowley was not the only one biting on Crowley's tongue of late. Aziraphale, for his part, felt as though he'd been doing his best to live a wanton life of increasingly unchecked immorality, and no one was noticing. He may have been overestimating his overt misbehaviour. The more wanton parts of Aziraphale's new life of unbridled sin had a tendency to occur behind closed supply closet doors. Parties in heaven, according to Aziraphale, may as well have been torments in hell. They were dull and insincere, with small talk so minuscule it could dance happily on the head of any theologian's pen. 
It didn't have matters that, except when located on Earth, Heaven's parties were never supplied with drinks to dull the edge of the experience, so as to flop onto in exasperation, or friendly packs to socialize with when beings further up the great chain became intolerable. Hell's parties were variously described by Crowley as shit and absolutely shit, unless you're fucked up, then they're all right. And so much fun, but you have to be really, really off your face, Aziraphil. I mean, if you're not completely trolled, you're going to have a shit time. So it was with some trepidation and very low expectations that Aziraphil entered Ballroom AB for the first ever combined party of Heaven and Hell. Technically, Heaven had reserved the upper balcony, which was dotted with white-lined tables, and Hell had possession of the lower floor, which was a seething, strope-lit mess of demons. However, the random distribution of the snacks and drinks meant that, in practice, there was considerable overlap between the host and the horde. Aziraphale looked over the balcony at the crush of bodies beneath him, searching for Crowley. He had never been to Hell but he imagined that the writhing of tortured souls must be somewhat akin to the sight before him. The thought made him feel sicker than he already felt. A group of demons careened to one side of the floor, and Aziraphale spotted Crowley, who was dancing with all the sinuous grace of a malfunctioning photocopier, and none of its rhythm. He was wearing a hatband with sequined devil horns on it, and his face was coated in red glitter. Taken and very much confused the man at Party City when he'd purchased these items. Early Halloween planning or bachelorette? The cashier had asked casually. Taken looked morally offended and eyed the cashier with extreme suspicion. Sir, this is for a work function. Crowley! Aziraphale called when he'd raced down the stairs. Crowley, what are you? Angel! Crowley yelled, bounding over to him. In the chaos of the dancing demons and the angels pushing through to get to the snacks, they were unremarkable. Look, I'm a proper devil now. Got the whole horns and everything. All regulation. He leaned on Aziraphale's shoulder, though it was hard to say whether it was from stumbling or flirtation. <laughs> There's a tail, too. You're like that. Uh, hey! Who stole my tail? He yelled at no one in particular. Crowley, Aziraphale realized, was somewhere between drunk enough to enjoy Hell's party and drunk enough to enjoy unanesthetized surgery. How much have you had to drink, dear? Aziraphale asked, gripping Crowley's arm to prevent any sudden lurching. Now, I don't know, Aziraphale. It's our last night on Earth. Gonna be trapped in hell for Satan knows how long. I'm shit at goodbyes, you know that. You look beautiful in strobe lights, anyone ever tell you? Something in that jumble of half-hissed words made Aziraphale's heart clench. What do you think being in love is like? Aziraphale asked Crowley. We were lying on a rooftop on a warm night with no moon. The conversation had drifted in and out like a cat napping in a migrating sunbeam. You're the angel here, Crowley said after a rather long pause. 
and seems like your department. I don't mean what love is like. I mean what being in love is like. As Rufel tossed a dry leaf into the air and watched it drift, Crowley turned his lamplight eyes on Aziraphale. You mean you don't think you'd know? If you were in it? Well, it always sounds so overwhelming in the descriptions. I don't know. Oh, but it has its quiet moments, now and again. Change of pace. Aziraphale made a small movement that was not quite a nod, and they returned to the stars in the silence. Crowley, it'll be all right. We'll figure out a way through somehow. Something collided with Aziraphale, and almost knocked the two of them over. Arik? Crowley asked, craning his neck forward. Ithuriel? Is that you? Caramel! Eric and Ithoria, as Yerophil noticed with a jolt, were holding hands and doing a poor job of concealing it. You need to be careful, as Yerophil shout whispered. Don't do anything foolish or... That's why we came to warn you, Eric said in a rush. Crowley, if you can hear me under all that cheap tequila, Beelzebub and Gabriel have a bet going. They're going to fire the first angel or demon that violates a serious policy. Watch out, okay? Aziraphale felt as though he'd been discorporated and reincorporated several dozen times in a space of a millisecond. How... how do you know that? We overheard, Ithoriel said. From the inside of a supply... oh. He cut off as Eric made a shushing sound. Wait, said Crowley who was attempting to stand and speak with something approaching clarity. They'll just fire them? Then what? Eric shrugged. That's all I know. We're, uh, going to try and get some air. He and Ithuria turned and started weaving their way through the pulsating crowd. Hang on, Aziraphale said, and dragged Crowley forward towards them. Look, you... You'll want the supply closet in the easternmost corridor. It has the sturdiest lock, and it seems, um, reliably soundproof. Eric's eyes went wide with the rings of liner. Ithuria laughed. I knew there was something going on with you two. I knew it! Bye, Aziraphale. Bye, Caramel Crowley. They disappeared into the mass of celestial bodies quite a bit sweatier and clumsier than the planetary variety. All right, everyone, it's the moment you've been waiting for. Gabriel's voice echoed through an unseen loudspeaker. The music faded and the strobes died away, replaced by a spotlight at the center of the floor where Gabriel and Beelzebub were standing. Now, in just a few hours, we're going to be packing up, and my fellow angels and I will be walking our way up that stairway to paradise. And hell, of course, will be driving back along the road that's paved by good intentions. Beelzebub leaned over to Dagon. Remind me to call good intentions tomorrow about our problem with the potholes. Aziraphale, Crowley started. What if we just did something absolutely mad? What if we just snogged each other when they brought us up to do a speech, and that meant we were both fired? I, well, I suppose the contract we signed to give up our powers is only applicable insofar as we ourselves are valid employees of heaven and or hell, like it said in section 8, paragraph. Would a 
Aziraphale come forward, please? Let's give him a round of applause. Gabriel mimed clapping with the microphone in hand. Crowley, get up here! Beelzebub shouted. Three cheers for hell! Aziraphale and Crowley stepped into the circle of light at the center of the floor. Well, Aziraphale, anything you want to say? Gabriel offered. Yes, rather. Aziraphale said, and he put a hand to the back of Crowley's head and bent him into a kiss, chaste and gentle. I'll screw this. Crowley mumbled into Aziraphale's lips. If this doesn't work, it better have been one hell of a last moment of existence. He wrapped both arms around Aziraphale's neck and opened his mouth. Aziraphale returned the deeper kiss, leaning even further. A glass dropped somewhere, and gasps echoed across the ballroom. It was hard to tell whether they were, on balance, angelic or demonic. Gabriel hadn't looked so shocked since Lucifer had introduced the idea that not everyone liked Gabriel. Beelzebub looked as though an extra-large piece of office furniture had just fallen from heaven directly onto their head. Well, this puts a lot of our past conversations into a different light, Gabriel said. Good thing Ethuriel won't pull anything like this. That's the angel who tried to bite off Crowley's finger. Dagon whispered to Beelzebub. I guess they're into that. Beelzebub made a face. I'm just glad we picked Eric to replace Crowley on Earth. Don't see this happening with him. Michael, whose face was completely serene, tapped Uriel on the shoulder. You owe me fifty pounds. Can't believe he's cheating on the boa constrictor with an angel. Ligger said, shaking his head. <laughs> Figures, said Hester. There was a sound like someone hurriedly filing papers into an especially notorious incident report folder, and two sets of wings unfurled. I think it might have worked. Aziraphale was beaming. Uh, hang on, let me sober up, Crowley said. He made a pained expression, and a cooler nearby found itself overflowing with decidedly unholy spirits. Okay. Yep, seems like it worked. Perhaps we should take our leave now. Get a head start? Aziraphale offered his hand. Crowley took it. Yeah, something tells me we shouldn't stick around for the severance checks. Aziraphale gave a cheeky wave. Crowley blew a kiss, and they turned and ran from the hotel as fast as their legs and wings could carry them. Epilogue. The heaven of the seas left Miami the next morning. Amidst a forecast so favorable for a quick departure, it could have been blessed by angels. The ship's last ticket was purchased by none other than the amazing Mr. Fell, who had been booked to perform spectacular feats and astonishing magic through a process none of the crew could quite remember. One of those feats involved an enormous snake that Mr. Fell, in his infinite wonder, could bestow with the power of speech and understanding. 
Although the first mate was convinced that live reptiles were explicitly disallowed in the ship's rules, a quick check revealed no such statute. And anyway, Mr. Fell had offered extensive veterinary documentation, so no one objected to his keeping it safely inside his cabin. The first night at sea, it became apparent that Mr. Fell was amazing in more ways than one. The heaven of the seas prided itself on its soundproof cabins. Crew members could rarely hear snoring at night from the hallway, and only the most muffled echoes of more recreational horizontality. It was truly notable, then, that from Mr. Fell's cabin issued hours of rather incredible noise. Alternately ecstatic cries, furniture protesting its brutal treatment, and something that sounded like, but surely was not, enormous wing beats. At one point, Mr. Fell's room sent in a request to room service for a slice of devil's foot cake. A red-haired man in a bathrobe answered the door with a rapturous smile, took the cake, and shut the door again with astonishing rapidity. No one could remember him, but everyone seemed mysteriously disinclined to ask him for boarding documents. Any hopes that the arrival of the cake signaled the end of the other activities in a room were almost immediately dashed. The crew could all agree they felt very sorry for Mr. Fell's pet snake, who had undoubtedly witnessed acts no innocent creature should be forced to see. The End This Moody Voice Podvik was brought to you by Sky Asimaru as Crowley, Bartender, and Damned Soul. Finzi as Aziraphale. Kendra Izimuri as Gabriel. Pisnaker reading the footnotes. Tiferia as Beelzebub. Literarian as Ithuriel and Damned Soul number one. Silky Luster as Eric the Disposable Demon. Unholy Crowley as Dagon. Michael. Read by Semper Fiona. Mehans Andine as Liger. Platinum Firebird as Haster. The Lord of La Mancha as Sandalfon. Vodka 112 as Asmodeus. Newt Pulsifer and Uriel. Compass Rose as Bill, Mephistopheles, and Anathema Device. Gorilla's Gal 86 as Mary Loquacious. Potfix. As Brenda. Bitter listening by Grin. And Job as narrator. A huge thank you to everybody who helped to bring this podfic to life. Thanks for listening. <laughs>